for such a time as this. And it's so neat how God so sovereignly brings us to places for specific times and specific purposes. And so I have no doubt that he has you here this weekend for a specific purpose. And um, I'm just so expecting the Lord to speak, not only in the time of teaching, but worship and also your fellowship together as his gifts operate and you minister one to another. And so what a joy to be here together um, with the brethren. It's just amazing. So for session two, um, in keeping line with the, the P's, we've looked at our position and now we're going to go into peace, the peace of God in Christ. And really this whole little session I framed from um, the last address in uh, Fit for the Master's Use. And the last address, the 10th address, is called Heart Rest. And F.B. Meyer says that the climax of teaching of the inner life is always the perfect rest of the heart. Now, when I say peace, what do you think of? The beach, floating on a raft in a hammock somewhere, that kind of peace, yes. Oh, Lord, Calgon, take me away, please. <laughs> but the peace that we're going to talk about briefly here this morning as we continue is um, not the absence of trouble. And let's look briefly at Romans 5.1 again. And I'm going to go through a little few scriptures before we get into it. Romans 5.1 says this, having been justified. Now, I love the tense of that. That's past tense. Having been justified by faith, we have, present tense, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then skipping back to Ephesians, and you can jot these down if you don't want to turn there. I can just read them to you. Ephesians 2.14. For he himself is our peace, who has broken or made both one and has broken down the walls, the middle wall of separation, having abolished in the flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And then Isaiah, and I'm sure that this is a, a familiar one. This is one that I um, cling to, lean on, feast on often. Isaiah 26.3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And then finally, Colossians 3.15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. So what, what is peace? How would you define peace 
you know, we have our ideas of, of what it is. And oftentimes I have a misconception of what it is. And it's something that I oftentimes expect to get from the Lord and don't feel as if I do. Do you ever feel that way? We live in such turbulent times. We have such, I have such swirling chaos. I don't know about you, but I have swirling chaos. <laughs> I mean, maybe you don't. Maybe you just, your life is orderly and together. But I live in swirling madness and chaos. And my husband is a visionary. Lord bless him. Do I need to say any more? He's a visionary. And I love him to pieces. So swirling chaos. And um, I expect so often um, this feeling, this, this feeling of serenity to sort of sweep over me and to help me get through my day and my madness. And, um, you know, there are moments where you have that. And the Lord gives grants those little treasured moments of peace and um, refreshment. But most of the time, it is not the case. In fact, leading up into to this conference, um, I was working eight hours a day and taking kids to uh, their respective practices and uh, running around. I taught a midweek Bible study for the ladies. We're going through Acts and... Um, one thing after another after another and then you know house guests on top of that and um, just the busyness of life that seems to just cave in on us and engulf us and pressures at work things that we deal with um, those little inner um, just struggles that you deal with that this just nag at you nag at your heart and at your mind and, oh, how sometimes you just long for that to just be washed away and there be this sense of, like, swimming in the Mediterranean Sea or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want. That's the kind of peace I want. But so often it is not the case. And um, Oswald Chambers said this in his March 9th um, devotional, he said that showing no concern for the uncertainties that lie ahead is the secret of walking with Jesus. I'll say that again. Showing no concern for the uncertainties that lie ahead is the secret of walking with Jesus. How far away from that I am. Because how often you know, as it says in Philippians, be careful for nothing or be anxious. In, in the King James, it renders it be careful or don't be overly concerned with the things of this life that encroach and engulf. But how in the world do you really do that when all these things press? And one of the key things that I would like to encourage you with is to continue to be intentional about your alone time with the Lord. We have time for lots of stuff. And, and when we really want to do something, we will make a way to do it. And I don't say that in a sense of, 
you know, bringing condemnation. But if we're going to navigate this life for such a time as this, we must be fed of the Lord, we must be fellowshipping with the Lord, and we must be filled with the Lord. So what is peace? It certainly is not the absence of trouble. And I wanted to share just a brief testimony of kind of the, this journey that the Lord's brought me through the last year, really almost year, probably longer, but really wrestling for about a year. Um, and it has to do with my work life. And I do work almost full time. My husband's parents own a cosmetology school and they have two campuses. Don't judge my hair. <laughs> so, I work in the office, all right? <laughs> so they own these cosmetology schools and I am like over the admissions on, at one of the campuses. And it's a family-owned business, and um, essentially, I think they're seeking to pass the baton, but they're passing the baton to my husband, who is a pastor, and me, a pastor's wife, and his sister, who, um, you know, I don't think she wants to really roll up her sleeves and, and take it. So we're doing the best we can, and um, it is family-owned and operated, and in our town of Evansville, Indiana, there um, have been... Um, a franchise school, a corporate school, and then little mom and pop, which is us. So <clears throat> we've been sharing this pie of enrollment with um, these other schools. And it feels as if they're winning, you know, the piece of the pie for the most part. So um, we've, ha we've had this sense for some time that it's dying on the vine. And... I have been wrestling with the Lord over this because ultimately he can do whatever he wants to do. But when you work at a place and you do get income from a place, of course your heart is connected to it and, and you know, you're concerned about its future and how things are going to play out. And um, So I've been just wrestling, just really, really wrestling with the Lord. and. Um, some months ago, he gave me a promise from Habakkuk 3. In fact, she just mentioned it. Um, and it talks about, you know, though the fig tree does not blossom, you know the section? And there be no fruit on the vine, no herd in the stall, yet will I rejoice in God my Savior. And so I received this promise, and he will make my feet as hind's feet. I received this promise, and for the longest time I've been really receiving it kind of with the wrong mindset and almost like okay lord you know the the fig tree is not blossoming so i'm going to rejoice in you and that's been my attitude is like okay lord and then it dawned on me not too many weeks ago that i was really taking that promise completely wrong and I realized that the character and the nature of God is not to create a situation where all those things are failing at once. Where the fig tree is not blossoming, there's no fruit on the vine, there's no herd in the stall, 
so on and so forth. I mean, it's like, what are the odds that all of those things would be diminished at once? Surely there's times of famine in our lives, and God has, you know, brought famine and created hunger. He allowed the Israelites to go through the wilderness experience. In Deuteronomy, he says, I allowed you to hunger to see what was in your heart that I might know, that you might know that I am the Lord your God and that man should not live by bread alone. And so he certainly allows those seasons and those times, but his heart is not to just not provide. And so I started to, to rethink that promise, and, and then I started to seek the Lord in a different way because my journal is laden with just the anguish of my heart for what's going on with this business and what the Lord wants to do. If he wants to take it, that's fine. I'm, I'm okay with that. But I started to seek the Lord to seek the Lord. And I remember this one day in particular, um, nothing had changed circumstantially. And it was getting to the point where it was scary for the business. Um, and I just started to say, Lord, all I want is more of you. All I want is more of you. Psalm 81.10, the Lord says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. And so here I am physically, literally opening my mouth as I'm seeking the Lord and just saying, Lord, I want more of you. I open my mouth wide that you would fill it. And something happened that um, made me believe that he, he took such pleasure in that shift of my, my prayer and the heart um, that I was after. He just began to satisfy me with himself. And I began to drink from his fountain and eat from his flesh and be satisfied with him. And not, now, don't get me wrong, he wants us to wrestle through things with him and, and to grapple. And I think that a lot of times, if you have something unresolved in your life currently, it's because he's after greater intimacy with you. And it's not that he's not going to take care of the situation, but he wants you to come and grapple with him because he wants to be near you. And he wants to fill those aching places in your heart with himself. And to seek him not for what he can give, but for who he is. And so he began to satisfy my heart just simply with himself. And it's funny because, you know, the, like the old song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into his wonderful face and the things of the world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And there is such truth and power to those words. If you do that in reality, seeking the Lord for himself, being satisfied in Jesus and pursuing him, so just to wrap up my little testimonial within um, this session, um, 
I guess it was three weeks ago, <clears throat> very abruptly, and this actually fits into the Minnesota uh, Minneapolis thing, okay? So this is how I can tie in, like you guys geographically. So there is this corporate school, cosmetology school, called Regency Beauty Institute. Have you guys heard of it? Okay, I think it's, it's based out of Minneapolis. So that's one of the campuses in Evansville, and then there's a franchise one. So September 28th, um, they abruptly closed all 79 campuses nationwide. Forever. Like, they're done. We're out of money. Goodbye. And we acquired all of their students in one day. And you know, it's crazy because I don't, I don't even care about that now because what the Lord showed me through that is that it is nothing for him to provide in one second for what you need. And he is faithful. He can provide in ways, his way is in the sea. It's in the way we don't even know, we don't even see. I couldn't have fathomed how he might provide. And it's astounding how he does provide at times. But it, it took a long time. But you know what? I think he was waiting for me to seek him for him. And that was the grappling that was taking place in my heart. And maybe there was lots of other reasons. And you know, not that it all depended on me and my prayer and what the Lord was doing in my heart. There's so many things. But in his sovereignty and in his grace, he did this crazy thing in our work life. And now I can't hardly keep up. And um, the first day it closed, I personally interviewed 18 people just in one day. You know, so it, it really doubled our enrollment just overnight, overnight. Um, God can do whatever he wants. You know, the Israelites said, can God provide a table in the wilderness? Hello? <laughs> Water from the rock? Manna from heaven? It's, he, that's our God. That is our God. He is able. But let us not ever be in a place where we are seeking the Lord for what he gives, but let us be seeking him for who he is. That pleases his heart more than anything. So what is peace? It is keeping step with the Lord. It's a call to fellowship. It is his yoke. His yoke equals his will for your life. He is calling you, according to Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 and 29, to be his yoke fellow. And the beautiful thing about a yoke is that there are two. And Jesus is this the, the ox represents a servant in the scripture. Here, this servant is, is yoked with us, and he is the strong one that's bearing the load. So it's a call to intimacy and to fellowship as we come to him and yield to his will. It's a call to perpetual dependence upon God and to always say yes to God. 
peace is to be sought in his person, not as a feeling that he gives us, not as in a feeling of serenity or anything that we described it to be. There's no distinction between what God appointed and what God permitted. His permission and his appointments are equally his will. And that's F.B. Meyer, um, page 124 out of Fit for the Master's Use. He said this, when you come to the place of being yielded to the will of God, that that is a place of true heart rest. It's not going to be found in circumstances. It's not going to be found as soon as your husband comes to know the Lord or your children return. It's not going to be found when you get the next promotion. It's not going to be found when you lose those 10 pounds. It is only in his person. And, and we seek peace in all these things. That's why I say it. That's why you laugh, because you can relate. You know what I'm talking about. We seek peace in these things. But if you can come to the place where you say, I will to do thy will. And if you can say that a hundred times a day, and this is what F.B. Meyer says in this chapter, I will to do thy will. I'm willing to be willing. You've heard it said. I'm willing to be willing. I will to do thy will. Then your heart begins to be shaped by being willing, and you say, I choose thy will. And you say that a hundred times a day. And then you come to the place where you say, I delight in thy will. And that's the secret of rest. It is not a circumstance. In fact, I'm going to read a poem for you um, that's ministered to me greatly. And this is anonymous, so I don't know who wrote it. But it says, when God wants to drill a man. When God wants to drill a man and thrill a man and skill a man. When God wants to mold a man to play the noblest parts when he yearns with all his heart to create so great and bold a man that all the world shall be amazed, watch his methods and watch his ways, how he ruthlessly perfects whom he royally elects, how he hammers him and hurts him and with mighty blows converts him into trial shapes of clay, which only God understands. While his tortured heart is crying, he lifts beseeching hands, how he bends but never breaks when his good he undertakes, and how he uses whom he chooses, and which every purpose fuses him, by every act induces him to try his splendor out. God knows what he's about. So God knows what he's about in your life. And the peace that he wants to give you in this life for such a time as this is not connected to any circumstance or anything outside of who he is in his person. And I'll close with Philippians 4, and then we're, I think we're going to close in a little bit of worship here. Philippians 4, starting in verse 4. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known to all. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious, be careful for nothing. Nothing. You know what that word nothing in the Greek means? Nothing. nothing. <laughs> but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, 
let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing. When he says nothing, he means nothing. Not one thing. And we have so many things to be anxious about. I can list probably 10 right off the bat for you. I know you have things pressing on you and stealing your rest and your peace. But they need not take your peace. Because see, this peace, this peace that he gives, my peace that I give to you, Jesus said, I give not as the world gives. But he gives this peace that passes our understanding. It's not in line with our understanding. It's beyond what we can rationalize or understand. And if we can know that if our God justified us, seated us with Christ, and has paid the price to call us to himself, don't you think he's going to take care of the rest? That's probably my favorite scripture in all of the Bibles in Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If he did the greatest work, he can take care of the rest. And he can accomplish what concerns you today. So I invite you this morning as we close this session on peace, it was a very brief one, will you trust him? Will you just trust him? We have the full counsel of God, like I said last night, from Genesis to Revelation, the full counsel. So we know of his faithfulness. We know of his character. We know of his love. We know how the story ends. So we can trust him to take care of the affairs of this life. He knows what we have need of. So when you seek that peace, seek it in his person. He himself is our peace. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we, we just bow our hearts as we receive um, your comforting words and your assurance that you are faithful and you will accomplish everything that concerns us today. And we just want to surrender these things that press on us, that burden us, that we're wondering about, that we're perplexed over, maybe confused about. And we just trust and rest in your sovereignty and your grace and ultimately your, your matchless, wonderful love for us. Thank you that you love us and you're going to take care of us and we don't have to worry and we can trust you. We commit our hearts to you and all the burdens of our heart even now and ask that you yourself would be peace to us and for us and in us. In Jesus' name, amen.